0: Hi, I'm Shelly and I'm
1: Nicole and you're listening to the baby pro podcast where we talk about everything and anything related to pregnancy through the first year of your child's life. Every episode, we will discuss and interview experts on all the questions expecting and new parents want to know
0: such as creating the perfect birth plan, infant sleep and tips and tricks for parenting a newborn.
1: Welcome to the show.
0: Hey, Nicole hey there shell how are you I'm good how are you I'm good so we're in the middle of <laughs> tropical storm. it was downgraded to a tropical storm yep and it was hurricane Henry did they change the name when they downgrade it I don't think so right I don't think so I think it's still
1: Henry Henry with yeah. an I.
0: yep so you can hear the wind and the rain in the background um, this week, we're talking to Allison Macbeth from Blue Poppy Health about fertility and menstrual cycles in the postpartum period.
1: Ah.
0: Did you, I know you breastfed for a short time. Did you experience
1: delayed ovulation? Um, I don't know that I did because I only nursed for such a short amount of time. I don't think so. I want to say that I got my period. Very soon after all my kids, um, even my longest lasting breastfeeder was four months. And I want to say it was like just a few weeks after that six weeks of bleeding, I got my first period. So mm-hmm. I don't think I had delayed ovulation. And with one of my kids, I was pregnant mm-hmm. right after well, <laughs> only breastfeeding. So yeah, no, I didn't.
0: <laughs> I think with each of my kids, it was over a year.
1: Wow. Got, yeah. So like nice. My
0: body just really responded to those hormones.
1: Right. Yep. That's great.
0: Um, and I think that this is such an important topic because no one really talks about fertility and cycles that much. Right. Something I get asked all the time. But so I'm really excited about this interview. But first, let's talk about our favorite of the week. Great. Do you want to go first? No, you go. I
1: love okay. those years.
0: So I got... I was having trouble staying
1: hydrated,
0: and so I bought the Dr. Berg's electrolyte powder. Have you heard of it?
1: I think I have, actually. Mm -hmm. Tell me about it. It's supposed
0: to be all natural, which isn't that important to me, but but you put it in your water, and I will say I love it. It makes my water taste like a salty margarita. (laughs) Whoa, yum. (laughs) I got the lemon-lime flavor. Wow. Yeah, it actually tastes really good. And I put it in my water bottle before I work out. And I actually feel like I do get a lot more energy too.
1: Really? That's awesome. Mm-hmm. Nice. Yeah. It's amazing how just being hydrated enough, you know, like we forget that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for people like me who don't drink enough water, that's probably would be a helpful thing.
0: Right. Or like me, I drink a lot of water, but I drink a lot of coffee too. <laughs> <Exactly>.
1: <laughs> I feel like I keep negating all the water that I'm drinking. Wait a minute. Coffee's not water? I can't use that as an excuse? No. What about wine?
0: I still want to just deliver it right into my veins.
1: Right. Exactly. I hear ya. Yeah. Oh, that's good.
0: Mm-hmm. What nice. is your favorite of the week?
1: So I had talked recently about Virgin River. So it's about shows. I'll continue that. Um, hilarious little one on Netflix is working moms and oh, gracious, gracious, gracious. You'll crack up if you watch it. It's just so funny. It's so very much real life for a lot of people and, mm. um, just the balancing act and relationship stuff and kids stuff and trying to work and trying to take care of home and the stuff that women deal with that, you know, isn't always recognized or appreciated Um, And it's a riot. So Mm
0: -hmm. I loved, I love that. Yeah. I love that show. (laughs) I haven't, I know they just released the new season recently Mm -hmm. and I haven't started that season yet, but I binge watch, I think it's two or three seasons. I think season three or season four.
1: I have not watched the latest either. And I think that's season four.
0: Yeah. It's so hilarious, but there are definitely some like really sad and. Heavy emotional moments too.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, it's a great show. That was a good. Then one. I'm gonna have to catch up and uh, see what's going on with the next season. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and now it is time for our question of the week. All right. I got this question message to me, and the parent wants to know. I am not able to breastfeed um, for medical reasons, so I will be formula feeding from the beginning. How do you get over the guilt of not breastfeeding?
1: Oh, mm. oh, that's sad. Well, how did you respond to it? Have we responded? We haven't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that. I mean, my opinion on that is that I think. I think that a lot of us struggle with guilt over things that we um, need to, first of all, maybe let go of. Mm-hmm. Um, but in being in that situation where you feel vulnerable, you just had a baby and you can't, of course, that's going to, if you feel like that's what you maybe should be doing. When I say should, I mean, in quote, should, because we have all sorts of ideas of what should be happening. But reality is not always Um, what we have predestined as the shoulds, you know? Mm -hmm. And so um, working on um, just being able to accept that and um, make it as beautiful as you can um, while realizing that it doesn't have to be what you thought it needed to be. I know that I felt that way when my kids breastfed for such a short time. I felt so, I felt guilty. I felt like I was doing something wrong or I was going to be judged or what, or they wouldn't be healthy enough or whatever. But as you have more and more kids and they get older, you realize that life is very rarely what you think it should have been. And that it can be beautiful and wonderful, wonderful, no matter what. And that, Mm -hmm. you know, I mean, you just got to roll with it. I think sometimes, but uh, I don't know. Society puts, we, we listened a lot to society and sometimes we have to, not because Mm -hmm. they're just a woman who can't right that's why we have formula and
0: that's why we're grateful we have formula right um and I think a lot of it is surrounding yourself with positive images of what you've chosen to do or decided what to do that's best for the health of your family so following accounts on social media that resonate with you like um like the formula mom is one um and not following accounts that glorify breastfeeding as something that should be put above everything else.
1: Right. Agreed. Cause it really does alienate all the women who might be, or, you know, parents who are mm-hmm. having a hard time. Yep. I agree. We don't need any more guilt for not doing it a certain way. I know. And I feel like, I feel like as I've gotten older, I've been better about the guilt
0: thing, but I remember being, especially when I had my first baby, like it was hard not to feel guilty or hard on ourselves about something.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Right seems to be like the thing we just guilt ourselves with everything possible regarding our kids mm-hmm. but yeah that was a great question yeah very good question
0: okay next up we'll be talking with Allison Macbeth from blue poppy health very good looking forward to it hey everyone i just wanted to chat with you a little bit about one of the biggest obstacles that i see expecting and new families facing when they're having a baby and that's lack of support and community I know that having a baby can be overwhelming. There's so many resources out there. Some of them are better than others. You never quite know if you're getting the most updated evidence-based information. And also there's the lack of support. So that's why I created the Baby Pro Bistro. You can join the Baby Pro Bistro and get monthly support before and after your baby arrives. The Baby Pro Bistro provides you with all your prenatal and new parenting needs. So when you join, you get the prenatal childbirth education class, the prenatal breastfeeding class, the prenatal newborn care class, and the prenatal infant sleep education. You also get postpartum information like a Starting Solids webinar, community support, and expert speakers who talk on various subjects such as infant massage and pelvic floor health. I'm so excited to announce our guest this week, Allison Macbeth from Blue Poppy Health. Allison is a certified holistic reproductive health practitioner, and she has a master's in human sexuality and sexual health education. Her mission is to teach fertility awareness and body literacy so you can be empowered in your relationship with your body, fertility, menstruation, and sexual health. Welcome, Allison.
2: Thank you. I'm so excited to be here. Me too.
0: Can you tell us a little bit about
2: yourself? Sure. So yeah, I'm a holistic reproductive health practitioner, or I call myself a fertility awareness and menstrual health educator. Um, And uh, my main job at the moment is teaching people to understand their hormones and hormone balance and chart their cycles to really see what's going on in their body, balance things out if they have any problems, and then also use that for pregnancy planning and natural birth control.
0: I love that because I think so many of us are kind of like lost... I don't want to sound like too hippie dippy but kind of lost that like um connection with our body and intuition mm-hmm. with our body, including myself. Like I use an app to track my cycle because otherwise I have no clue. I don't pay yeah. attention to any of the signs. Yeah. Um, the only time that I kind of am aware that it's coming up is if my coworker says that she got her period, then I know that I'm coming up soon because I usually follow her <laughs> by like a week later.
2: Yeah, it's a good reminder. <laughs> yeah, we have. I mean, I think our bodies have been completely over medicalized and we forget that there it's not a medical issue unless you have a medical issue but a natural healthy body doesn't need medication right like there's lots of amazing things that your body's doing and is working really well and it's so great to understand that like all my clients always feel so empowered when they learn how it all works and wish they would learned it when they were younger and then they're they're upset that no one taught them so I really like to get this information out to as many people as possible
0: mm-hmm. I think that's great yeah. I, can't, I couldn't even tell you how long my cycle is to be honest. <laughs> I need to follow your content more
2: on Instagram. <laughs> so, I talk about that a lot. Like what, what does the healthy cycle look like? That's something a lot of people don't know.
0: So. Right. Because isn't it, I mean, doesn't the medical community kind of try to fit every menstruating person into like a box? I feel like, right. Kinda, like, Yeah. Like you're, you all have this 28 day cycle and you all go through your cycle the same way when it's in reality it's not true
2: (laughs) you don't i mean 28 or 29 is like the population average for the total length but Mm -hmm. a healthy cycle is anywhere from about 25 to 35 days Mm -hmm. Um, and then there's other aspects of your cycle you can look at to see if it's healthy or not or what's going on it's not the length is just one aspect of it right Mm -hmm. so
0: what are the things if you if you're counseling someone what other things would you ask them to look at
2: besides the light, Yeah. So we look at their period. So how long does it last? How heavy is it? How painful is it? Um, Do they have any PMS before their period as well? All those things are signs that something is off in the hormone balance or in their body because it it shouldn't be painful, which a lot of people don't know. We've we've normalized suffering, I think, in our society. Some sensation is fine because your body is doing work, right? It is hard work. But if you can't get through the day without drugs, then that's a sign that something could be addressed and, and improved. Um and then we also look at when do they ovulate and how long is that phase between ovulation and their next period coming because that tells you a lot about the hormone balance as well and a few other things. But those are some of the main ones.
0: Mm-hmm. So I have to back up and and go back to it shouldn't hurt. I want to hear more about that because I always assumed that you know cr- so are you talking like cramping isn't normal? Yeah. Really? Yeah. Can you tell us more about
2: that? Yeah. So I mean, like I said, some sensation is normal and common because your your muscles of your uterus are actually, they are contracting to like kind of squeeze out the blood, right? <laughs> and get rid of that extra tissue and all that kind of stuff if you're not pregnant. So some sensation is fine and it can be uncomfortable, but if it's like so bad that you have to take medication or you feel like you can't get throughout the day without drugs then that is a sign that it's too painful and so we've normalized pain in our society and a lot of people don't realize this they think taking drugs is just normal part of getting your period but that is a sign that something can be addressed and improved and there's lots of things you can do through like more holistic means um, mm-hmm. and that's a whole lot. that's a whole other conversation is how to get rid of cramps but there are some things that are sort of commonly known to be helpful and like with any other health situation, you have to try things out and see what works for you, right? Because everybody is different. You can definitely make improvements.
0: Wow, well, that's amazing.
2: And I have like three teenage
0: girls that I'm sure would be happy to hear that information. Yeah. <laughs> I know they can be a little uncomfortable too during their yeah. cycles. Yeah. Yeah. So how does this like when you're teaching fertility awareness what kind of things are you teaching?
2: Sure. So for what we call fertility awareness is not necessarily about getting pregnant. I think that's what people think about when they hear the word fertility, but fertility awareness is like a separate thing in and of itself, which is really about tracking your menstrual cycle in detail. So looking at the cervical mucus because your body makes this mucus or this fluid around the time of ovulation. And so that is designed to help you get pregnant right so the sperm can live in that for several days so if you learn to track that you can figure out when you're fertile and when you're infertile in your cycle and so there's a daily observation I teach people how to look for that what it looks like and what that means about your fertility and means about your ovulation and then also um, taking your temperature every day first thing in the morning is something that is part of the method that I teach and if you take your temperature every morning, you can see when you've ovulated and you can confirm that ovulation has passed. And so there's there's lots of different types of fertility awareness methods, but they're all looking at those biomarkers of your fertility and your ovulation. And some also include hormone tests. Some only do mucus, some only do temperature. So there's various different combinations of things. Um, but the one I do does look at the mucus and the temperature. Mm-hmm. And
0: how long do um the people that you counsel about this, how long does it take them to make these observations? Like if you have a like a parent or mom or a woman that's just like I'm really busy, I am mm-hmm. getting out of that and flying out the door, like is it yeah. not going to work for her or is it something quick that she can just do?
2: Yeah. So it's I always say it's like like any new habit or any new routine, it takes a bit of time to to learn it and figure it out. But once you've figured it out, it's like just like tying your shoes before you leave the house or brushing your teeth before bed. Like it becomes such a habit that you don't even think about it. Um, So it takes a few seconds for the temperature. You just pop it in your mouth when you wake up and then you can record it at the end of the day before you go to bed. And with the mucus observations, you're literally just looking at the toilet paper when you're in the bathroom. So you're already there, you're already wiping. You just learn to start observing it and paying a little bit of attention to it. So it's just a couple of minutes through the day. Mm -hmm. That doesn't sound bad at all. Yeah. No, it's not. <laughs> and then there's other extra solutions for people who have problems, for example, with, with the temperature taking. Some people um, have a very disrupted sleep schedule, especially with young children. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And there are different ways to deal with that depending on your particular situation. So whatever the, the challenge is, you can, we can figure out a way to make it work.
0: Awesome. And how does this relate to like fertility, postpartum? Like how does having a baby in the postpartum period kind of change what you would look for?
2: Yes. So that is a little bit different postpartum, definitely. But you can still do it. It still works. Um, You just might not be ovulating for quite a while, right? As you know, people can ovulate anywhere from about six weeks to more than a year. Like everybody's different, but you can learn how to track the cervical mucus and really understand what it means about your hormone balance and what's going on in your body. And so it would mean. Um, if you've never done it before getting pregnant, it's slightly harder to just learn it postpartum, but you can absolutely do it. And that's also why working with the teacher is really helpful because they actually go through the charts with you and make sure you're doing the observations correctly. Make sure the charts are making sense and answering all your questions. So it can definitely, mm-hmm. definitely be done and work as a, as a way to avoid pregnancy at that time. Mm-hmm.
0: I can see that why it would be important to work with someone to at least in the beginning, I imagine, while you're still trying to figure it out. How long does it usually take before people like say, "Okay, I'm kind of comfortable with understanding how my body works specifically as an individual?
2: Yeah. So if you have regular cycles, um, anywhere from three to six months. For most people, usually closer to three or four. If you have longer, irregular cycles, obviously that's a bit different because it you just your cycles are longer, so it takes a bit more time to see see the ovulation and confirm that that's happening. But yeah, just three to six months in most cases, and then you're set for life, right? You you have right. that skill and you can use it either to avoid pregnancy or achieve pregnancy for the rest of your life. So,
0: mm-hmm. if you have another baby, does that change how your body? Go- your cycles, I guess. Cause I, I know a lot of people who are like, well, before I had kids, my flow wasn't very heavy, but then since I have kids, like I get a lot more cramps and my flow is more heavy. Does that change like your cycle too? Whereas if you, you have things figured out, but then you have another kid, you kind of have to start back at square
2: one. Um, Well, I mean, the main thing is that it's all about observing what's actually going on and not making any predictions. So it's like what's happening today, right now, and then just understanding what that means in terms of your fertility and your, your ovulation and all of that. Um, Cycles do change sometimes after having babies, like you mentioned, some people do experience that, but it's all about learning your learning your new normal. I guess would be what you would do after that time if things do change for you. And it's just observing what's happening right now and then understanding how it works, so you know how to interpret that and make it fit within your your lifestyle, which is different than you mentioned the apps before. So I wanted to address that because that's a really important one. Um, the apps are really popular right now, which I think is great in a lot of ways, but it's also kind of a problem in a lot of ways because people don't always understand how to use them properly. And so a lot of people think these apps are telling them when they're fertile, when they're infertile, when they're ovulating, but a lot of them work off population averages. So it's really important to know that apps are great for data entry. So you can write down your period, you can write down your mucus and your temperature, and then you need to decide when are you actually fertile or not. But if you go off the days of fertility in the app, there's a good chance it's going to get it wrong. Um mm-hmm. that's yeah, really important to understand, I think.
0: Right. So as the like you as an individual should be interpreting the data. You can track yeah. it in the app, but don't let the app interpret it for you. Is that kind of yeah. what you're
2: saying? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Unless you don't mind getting pregnant. Like that's that's the <laughs> different thing, right? Yeah. <laughs> but in terms of birth control, um, and also if you're trying to get pregnant but it's not happening, that's another situation in which you really want to make sure you understand what's going on in your specific body. So tell me a little bit
0: about how it works like in the body doing this type of tracking to like prevent a pregnancy.
2: Yeah. So basically the mucus is produced several days before ovulation, and its job is to keep sperm alive and facilitate pregnancy. And so, and the sperm stays alive about three to five days, give or take. So you learn to observe for this every single day. And then as soon as the mucus starts, you are fertile because it's a sign that ovulation is coming soon, but you don't know exactly when it's going to happen. Right. So as soon as you see mucus, you're in that fertile zone and you continue to be fertile until the mucus dries up and then there's a specific calculation that needs to happen and each method is slightly different. So I'm not gonna tell you what that is because depending on which method people choose to follow, that will be different. But once you the mucus dries up and your temperature goes up, you can confirm the ovulation has passed and you can no longer get pregnant because that egg is long gone, right? So that means you can use that last part of the cycle um, to avoid pregnancy with fully unprotected sex and there's no issue because there's no more egg, right? And then in the beginning of the cycle, again, each method is a slightly different way of calculating it. But those first few days, you can have unprotected sex, because as long as there's no mucus, you know, you're, you're far away from ovulation, and the sperm will not survive. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah, that makes total
2: sense. Yeah. Yeah.
0: And how does um, something
2: like breastfeeding affect this? Yes. So there's different things to talk about when it comes to breastfeeding. So there is using breastfeeding as birth control is one conversation and then actually tracking your mucus and your cycles as birth control during breastfeeding is kind of another thing um but basically there there is like you can get pregnant when you're breastfeeding that's the first thing I want to say because a lot of people think you can't but you definitely can right yeah. um yeah yeah and there is a method of doing this, which is about ninety-eight ish percent effective, which is called lactational amenorrhea method, which you've probably mm-hmm. heard of that one. Yeah. Um, and that's if the baby is less than six months, you've had no return of bleeding after the the initial postpartum bleeding, and the baby is fully and completely breastfed, then you probably won't get pregnant and fully and completely breastfed means like even no soother, right? Like you, the baby really needs to be feeding on demand whenever mm-hmm. they want. Um, and it also helps if you carry the baby around and sleep with the baby, because basically the closer contact to your body, the more that helps to suppress the hormones. Mm-hmm. Um, but a lot of people don't know all the details and they just think they can't get pregnant when they're breastfeeding and that's right. where there's a problem. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Which you've probably seen that with your clients, I'm sure. Mm-hmm.
0: I believe the baby has to be feeding overnight too, right?
2: In order for yeah. it to
0: be like, if they start sleeping through the night, it's not. Yeah. It's just better not to anymore. do it if
2: there's more than like four hour, four to six hour gap between feeds It's probably mm-hmm. starting to be a little bit iffy. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, nothing's, nothing's a hundred percent, right. That's right one thing in mind as well. Yeah. But yeah, if you're comfortable with that, then then go for it. But a lot of people don't breastfeed in a way that actually um, meets the criteria. Cause even mm-hmm. if you're, if you're supplementing, for example, um, even just a little bit, it, that can change your hormone balance and that can start right. ovulation happening again. Um, and then so as soon as any bleeding comes back at all, mm-hmm or it's been more than six months, or like you said, they start sleeping through the night, then I would recommend doing something else. Mm -hmm. Um, And if you wanted to continue with natural birth control, then I would definitely recommend starting to chart your cervical mucus, um, well, ideally by eight weeks postpartum, um, or if you're more comfortable doing this breastfeeding thing, then waiting until you can no longer use that and then start charting your cervical mucus again. Mm -hmm. That's such great information.
0: Yeah. And I think the most common, um, when I'm working with the families that I work with, I think the most common, um, I don't want to say misconception, but probably the closest word to it is they don't realize that if they're offering a pacifier and the baby's sleeping through the night, that it's not as effective. They think, Mm -hmm. oh, if you're exclusively breastfeeding, it's effective. Um, But they forget that that has to be like around the clock. Yes. It's only really like modern day culture that tries to get babies to sleep through the night as early true. as we do. Like they're not really meant to do that. It's um, true. I agree. Yeah. And traditionally, we would be fine with them waking up all the time. So
2: mm-hmm.
0: that's yeah. how our bodies evolved, I guess, because it's to protect the baby, right? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. exactly. I agree. Um, so what about if a mom has not had her cycle returned? um because she's breastfeeding and would like to get pregnant again does she have to wean in order to get pregnant like can you talk a little bit about
2: that sure so the the first thing I'll say and this kind of same with all health stuff is that everybody is different (laughs) so some people you see they get pregnant and then they're tandem feeding both children after they have the second baby right but for other people um they can't get pregnant while they're still breastfeeding. So there's no way to know for sure. But my recommendation would be to start, again, start charting your cycles. Or if you're not having a cycle, just charting your cervical mucus, because that shows that you're, once you see that coming back, that your body's kind of trying to get into ovulation. It can take a while before that happens. They might have phases of mucus and then nothing and then mucus and then nothing, but eventually it will lead to ovulation. And all those days of mucus are potentially fertile because at some point, one of them actually will be ovulation, right? Um, and you can sometimes catch that egg even before you have your first period. So you can have mm-hmm. no periods between children. Some people do that. Mm-hmm prolactin is a hormone you can get tested so if it's been a while and you're not getting your cycles and you're also not getting pregnant you can check your prolactin levels um, and talk with the healthcare provider because if that's i don't know the numbers but if that's at a certain level then that can be still suppressing your cycles so you can get that checked out just to see but it would depend on the family and the individual and kind of what what works for them and what they want to do but i would definitely suggest starting there anyways mm-hmm.
0: And if their prolactin levels are too high, would weaning be like the
2: only option to bring them down? It's up to them probably how long they want to wait, right? Mm -hmm. Because lots of people do still get pregnant while they're breastfeeding, um, like I mentioned. So there's just no way to know for sure how your body's going to react. So you could... I wouldn't say you would have to wean if you don't want to wean you wouldn't have to wean completely but you might think about maybe cutting back a little bit
1: mm-hmm. if your levels are a bit
2: high of lactin. um but yeah it's really up to the the individual and kind of make a plan that works for them and their family right
0: mm-hmm. yeah exactly
2: we'll
0: agree 100 what what's the age group of people who primarily work with you
2: Um, I actually have a client currently who's 20 and that makes me so excited (laughs) because she she learned all this information at such a young age and I just love that. Um, But most people are somewhere between mostly 25 and 35. I feel like this is something that
0: we should be teaching girls and like in schools or something like, but we're not taught that. We're just taught about, I mean, we're taught about like safe sex and all that stuff, but we're not taught how to track our cycles or anything like that.
2: Yeah, for sure. I totally agree. Um, I would love to run some mother or daughter or like groups for teenagers or something like that at some point in the future. Cause I think it's so important. Um, and not as nece- necessarily about the birth control factor, but just understanding your body and how it works mm-hmm. and what is the mucus. Cause I know mm-hmm. people, adult women who didn't know, Until in like late 20s or even 30s that they weren't they thought they were getting some kind of infection when they saw the mucus they thought something was wrong with them like recurrently every single time and it's no it's actually a sign of health your body's doing its job and what it's supposed to be doing so Mm -hmm. um and then just understanding like what does a normal period look like how long should your cycle be all that kind of stuff there's so many myths and misconceptions out there and it would solve save so much stress and headache if people knew kind of what was normal and what to expect and then how to deal with it if there is a problem.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: I agree 100%. And I feel like we're still kind of like stuck in that
0: phase where we're trying to get just more comfortable talking about it in general. Yes. <laughs> um, although at my, in my house, like we talk about it at the dinner table, we don't care. That's like,
2: awesome. I love that. <laughs> That's how I'm
0: going to raise my house yeah.
2: for sure. I have two daughters mm-hmm. as well. So
0: I, yeah. yeah. And, and I get that from my family too. We always just sort of like talked about it. Um,
2: so when you are talking about sexual health, what do you usually counsel people on? Um, so, I mean, I always kind of do like a holistic assessment, looking at all kinds of different things and how it plays into their health currently. So like relationship stuff, if they've had STIs, um, any like body issues or body image issues, all that kind of stuff plays into like your relationship with your body and how it affects your health and how you feel about yourself and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's all stuff that comes up. There's a few questions I ask everyone specifically, and then other stuff just as it comes up in conversation. And then also depends if they're trying to get pregnant or avoid pregnancy, right? Cause then if they're trying to avoid pregnancy, we'll talk about how they manage that fertile phase with their cycle, like how they're going to deal with those days. If they don't want to get pregnant, And then if they're trying to get pregnant, but sometimes there's other issues that come up, you know, making sure um, sex doesn't just turn into a chore to try Mm -hmm. and get pregnant and and dealing with all that as well. So it really just depends depends on the person.
0: Yeah, so you mean it when you say holistic, like you approach (laughs) all angles. I love that though, because, you know, if you go to other providers, it's just kind of like they're going to address this one single problem and not look at the whole picture. And we need more providers that are going to look at the whole picture.
2: Yeah, and that includes like goal setting through their their life. So looking at nutrition, exercise, stress management, like all that stuff's all connected. So I make sure to go through all of that with people. Mm-hmm. Can you talk a little bit about how nutrition ties into fertility? Sure. Um so our bodies are fueled by what we eat, right? And there's a lot of research around how different nutrients and different supplements affect affect your health and your hormones and all that kind of stuff. So if you're having problems with your cycle, then I would definitely recommend looking at your diet and what you're eating. And obviously like, like with all sort of health things, a lot of it is fairly common sense, but it's hard to follow sometimes depending on your resources and the time you have to commit and all kinds of things. Right. But ideally, you know, eating whole foods. So cutting out the extra additives and weird chemicals and Um, like eat food as close to the source as you can, basically, right? Um, That just by itself, even if you can't afford a whole bunch of supplements, just doing that can be really helpful. And then individually, of course, everyone's different. So looking at what are people allergic to, what might be causing inflammation in their body um, and that kind of stuff can have a really big effect. Mm -hmm. And then also if they've been on hormonal birth control, that's a whole, whole other thing as well. Yeah, Hormonal birth control has actually been proved by research to um, it causes certain nutrient deficiencies in the body. And so that's one of the reasons it can sometimes take time for people's cycles to regulate after they get off is because their their body is nutrient deficient at that point. So again, mm-hmm. it depends on the, the person and the situation, but those are some of the things yeah. we look at.
0: Yeah. And I think that's some of the things that people need to be aware of. Like um, there's a lot of research showing that if a for teenage girls put on hormonal birth control too early in her stages of development through puberty, it can actually affect how much breast milk she can make later on in life after having babies. Just really, I hadn't seen that one. That is amazing. Mm-hmm. I noticed that you post a lot of information about PCOS. Mm-hmm. on your Instagram. So I work with a lot of moms who have PCOS um, mm-hmm. because PCOS is a risk factor for low milk supply. Oh, Although a lot of that. times they have oversupply too. I feel like it kind of goes either
2: way. Yeah. So can you tell us a little bit about PCOS and how it relates to fertility? Sure. So PCOS is polycystic ovary syndrome and it's something it's fairly common. Um, I can't remember the number, maybe close to 10% of people. I don't know if you know the number, is it?
0: I don't know the number, but I know it's like underreported because a lot of times it's missed, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
2: But basically the the signs of it are usually long and irregular cycles, which means they're not ovulating very much. Um, often they have elevated androgen hormones and other hormones in their body are at a different, um, like higher level than they should be. And then sometimes people have like acne or male pattern hair growth and stuff like that happening. Um, not always. Is, I mean, there's different versions of it as well. Like I said before, everyone's different. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so that is something that can be challenging, especially if people are trying to get pregnant. And this is, I posted just stay actually, maybe that's what made you think of this, but about why charting is a good thing to do if you do have PCOS, because you can really, looking at the charts, you can really see a lot about what's going on in your mm-hmm. body and your hormones. Um, and then, if you are trying to make improvements and changes, you can see things changing over time. You can see the improvements happening because there's certain characteristics in your chart that are fairly common if you have PCOS. Mm-hmm. So there's lots, lots of benefits for charting, as well. Especially again, if you are trying to get pregnant, because you really want to figure out when you are ovulating. Because you know, it's not like you can sort of make a guess because your cycle's around thirty days, right? It could be all over mm-hmm. the place. So, mm-hmm. yeah
0: yeah and as i understand it there's like varying forms of severity of the symptoms right you could have pcos and have absolutely no problem with your periods and get pregnant easily and make plenty of milk mm-hmm. um, but then for other people who have it it does affect them
2: more mm-hmm. yeah yeah there's different of course like with anything there's different severity mm-hmm. um some of my clients with pcos have like very regular cycles so you wouldn't know it by looking just at their charts but their hormone levels like they check out their hormone levels. And they're definitely showing that they are in that category, whereas other people might only get three periods a year or something like that. And with that one, one of the main things is their insulin sensitivity is usually a challenge. So looking Mm -hmm. at food and taking certain supplements can be really, really helpful for those people.
0: Yeah, 100%. And I think it's important for them to be aware that it could be a risk factor for infertility and low milk supply too, because a lot of them aren't told about that. And you know, if you go in knowing it's a risk factor, you're gonna monitor your baby's weight more closely in their intake and be a little bit more cautious.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's great to know. Did you kind of fall into this field? Yeah, how did I get into this field? Was basically I've always been interested in relationships and sexual health and like kind of the local planned parenthood, parenthood telephone helpline when I was doing my undergrad. And I loved it. And like most people in undergrad, I had no idea what to do with the rest of my life. And so I realized I should try and figure out a way to make the career. So I've been, because of that, that's what I did, right? So I've been working in sexual health education for 20 years now. Yeah, after that, after my undergrad, I went off and got a master's in sex education where I actually studied and did research in schools. Um, and what parents' attitudes and opinions. For that. So it that was really fun doing that as well. Um, and I've worked in all kinds of different sexual health jobs over the years. But when I discovered the awareness, I was in my early 30s. And I just, I thought it was so amazing and empowering and exciting. And I just had to teach it to as many people as possible. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think especially like in our culture where I think things are changing, but like I said, mentioned earlier, it's like the period is like almost a dirty word and people don't want to talk about it. And they just kind of want to like shoo, shoo it under the rug. It's not Mm -hmm. proper conversation. And I feel like, no, we need to bring, we need to like normalize talking about our periods and talking about fertility. Mm -hmm. And um, I remember there was like a, a newspaper article a few years ago or, or a news story about a teenage boy that was trying to normalize boys having like menstrual products on them in case their friend who is female, like unexpectedly started her period or something. And I just remember thinking that we need more of that. That's totally awesome. That's
2: awesome. That's really awesome.
0: I also remember like, and this is many, many, many years ago, maybe like 10 years ago, there was a midwife who was, she had a blog and every day she would post pictures of her cervical mucus and like kind of take the readers through the process of like observing the cervical mucus and what it meant. And that was pretty good yes. cool too.
2: Yes. There's a lot of that now. I think that was, I'm going to just look at this now. I think it's the beautiful cervix project, maybe no. something like that. I, I can find it um, if you want. Just, yeah. Beautiful cervix project. Um, and there's a lot of that now because this the person who did that has now trained a lot of other people on how to do this and how to use a speculum and a camera to take a picture of their own cervix. And one mm-hmm. of my colleagues, Train at the same place as me. She does cervix parties where they get together, and she teaches people how to look at their cervix. It's um, so fun. Yeah, it's really cool. I really love it. Um, and yeah, and there's lots of websites and some fertility awareness educators have pictures of this on their own websites as well. And yeah, so it's it's very cool. I actually, I've tried to do it myself once without any proper, training and I couldn't quite get everything at the right angle so I was kind of disappointed I couldn't see it properly.
1: (laughs) I love that
0: you tried though I love that you're like I'm just going (laughs) in I'm gonna do it.
2: Yes (laughs) definitely yeah no it's pretty the cervix is pretty amazing but it's all this stuff we just you're not taught about so we don't know how it works. Right yeah that's never included in all the growing up talks. (laughs) No it's not although my daughter uh, my oldest daughter is um, she's three and a half now, and I love it because she checks her mucus when she goes to the bathroom. Which is oh, like, really? Yeah, I mean, obviously she doesn't have any because she hasn't gone through right. puberty, but like she's pretending to check her mucus. That
0: That's is adorable. adorable. <laughs> I love that.
2: Yeah, yeah. She of learned she's gonna from, be like, from day one,
0: <laughs> right? She's gonna be like in an elevator with you, full of strangers, one day, and start like gabbing on about her, her cervical yes. mucus, and you're gonna be like, I hope okay. so. Yes. <laughs>
2: I'm gonna be one of those people yeah changing the world one awkward elevator conversation at a time <laughs> absolutely I never thought I'd be like on the internet showing or talking about my period to like thousands of people at a time but yeah, yeah it's amazing I love it
0: yeah it's fun yeah. I mean and, and I when my house we have like all these sorts of names for it which I guess does kind of put like a negative stigma on it but like we call it on flow or mm-hmm. one of the girls calls it, you know, the river of Satan. Or <laughs> you know, the, the murder scene in the bathroom. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like, but yeah. like we we joke about it and we laugh about it at the dinner table with like their brothers and stuff too. And yeah, so that's great. The guys in the house were like completely comfortable talking about periods and
1: yeah, it's-
0: Um, and I remember the oldest when he had his first girlfriend and she got her period, he was like, can we go to the store and, you know, I want to create like a period basket for her and bring it over to her like chocolate and menstrual products. Amazing. Yeah. That's amazing. We need to normalize that more.
2: Yeah, definitely.
0: So if you were like, so most of my audience, either pregnant or newly, uh, had a baby, Mm -hmm. what is like one thing that you would want to say to them about what you teach?
2: Um, I mean, I think I kind of already said it before, but like knowing that you can get pregnant while you're breastfeeding. So if you don't want to get pregnant yet to either learn to chart your cycles or use some other kind of backup method is really important. because your body is such—it's such a sensitive time, and you're so like tired, and you need to replenish your your resources ideally before you get pregnant again. Mm-hmm. um And then also, if you're interested in doing this, it, it can be done. I think there's a lot of myths and misinformation about this kind of thing. People saying it just doesn't work, and that's not true. It really does work as long as you learn it the right way, right? Mm-hmm. Like use a specific method and getting help from a trained educator. It absolutely can be done. So if you're interested. It, then it's totally worth looking into
0: right and that's just this form like any other form of birth control like, like taking the pill it works but you have to take the pill every day you have to actually do it yeah and follow the directions <laughs> yeah, yeah exactly it ended yeah so exactly. I guess that makes sense yeah so talk a little bit about your service do you do you like one-on-one consultations do you do classes I know I think I saw that you
2: do one- on-one with on your website right yeah so my main thing is one-on-one. Um, I work with people right now. I mean, it's changing, but right now I have either a three month program or a six month program, which is the six month one is a longer one. So we have more time to kind of get in depth if there are hormonal health issues or things they need extra help with. And then the three month one is Because it's shorter, it's more focused just on getting really solid with the charting skills. And so I meet with them one-on-one about every two weeks or so for that time period. And I make sure they're understanding the biology and the physiology, how to do the observations, what it all means. And then we look at their charts together and answer all the questions. And then if, when we look at the charts, we see something that looks off in their hormone balance, then I would, you know, talk to them about recommendations based on whatever's going on for them. Mm -hmm. And is that
0: when you might refer to like a different provider to run further tests or?
2: Yeah. Yeah. Depending what it is, I would suggest either hormone tests or, I mean, you can see a lot even without hormone tests because the charts are really quite detailed Mm -hmm. and amazing, which is, I like that. Right. Um, Yeah. I would make recommendations for either hormone tests or trying out different things with their diet or stress management or supplements or Mm -hmm. all that kind of stuff. Right. Just depending Mm -hmm. on the situation. Awesome.
0: And where can people find you if they want to connect
2: with you or learn more about you? Sure. So I'm mostly on Instagram at blue poppy health. So like the flower blue poppy health. I do have a Facebook group as well. Um, But if you just go to my Instagram and send me a message, I can connect you with all the different resources.
0: Okay. And I'll put them in the show notes so people can, can find you. Cause I think, like I said, this is such a great service that you're offering and really important information to get out there and something that we don't talk about enough. Mm -hmm. So I'm really happy that you were here to talk to us about it.
2: Thanks. And great to be here too. I love talking about this stuff. I could talk about it all day long. (laughs) (laughs) That's how I feel about breastfeeding. So here we go.
0: (laughs) (laughs) It's all just, it just goes back to how amazing the body is. Yes,
2: absolutely. Mm -hmm. I'd love to know. I didn't ask you, what do you tell your clients about breastfeeding if they are having trouble getting pregnant? Cause you mentioned, you'd me about that.
1: Yeah. So
0: I refer them back to their OB. <laughs> um, but I do talk to them a little bit about like, you know, if, if you're told that you need to wean in order to get pregnant again, how are you going to feel about that? And what, how can we help you make the decision that's best for you? And, and then if they do decide to wean, then I help them with that as well. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, thank you so much, Allison, for joining us today. This was really fun. Um, and again, really good and important information.
2: Thank you for having me. Fun.
1: Have a good night. Me too. Thank you for joining us this week on the Baby Pro Podcast. Make sure to visit our website,
0: ShellyTaffibcLC.com, where you can check out our online parenting community, The Baby Bistro. You can also follow us on social media at IBCLC on Instagram. If you love the show, please leave a rating on iTunes so that we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Thanks for listening and see you in two weeks.